Hello, everybody. Today's guest is Matt Pryor, lead singer and guitarist for the Kansas City, Missouri-based band The Get Up Kids. We discuss the song Holiday, which is the lead-off track from their second album, Something to Write Home About. Matt shared how very early on, the band embraced their pop sensibilities and always saw themselves more of a pop band than an emo band. I mentioned to Matt that this record was highly influential when it came out back in 1999, and both the legacy of that record and the countless bands it inspired and influenced is testament to just how strong the songs are. We touched on the mid-90s Kansas City punk rock scene and how that shaped who they were, both as a band and as people. And we both talked about how powerful a perfectly placed pick slide can be if used correctly in a song. For all this and much more, stay tuned. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? podcast well uh for the listeners the uh, get up kids uh, formed in 1995 uh, in kansas city missouri and matt i certainly remember kansas city in the mid 90s uh mm. <laughs> lots of uh disenfranchised uh punk rockers disenfranchised youth uh looking yeah. for something to do uh, of course there was a venue there uh first time we less than jake ever played in kansas city was at the daily grind i'm sure you remember that yeah and, yeah played and, there many uh, times many yeah. times and um saw saw one of the some of the weirdest shows I've ever seen in my life there. So <laughs> the craziest one I I will tell you is we saw a uh, then unknown no doubt play with a uh, godhead silo that kind of noise band that's from on sub pop. It was that's really we- it was a weird bill. Yeah, and and those kinds of bills would happen in Kansas City in 1995. They have been everywhere in the '90s. It feels like, it, it, yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I'm not trying to pick on Kansas City. It was just one of those. Places. No, no, I didn't take it. No, no, just one of those places that had just uh, this incredible scene uh, in the '90s. Well, it was, it was small. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was, it was cool, but it was like you were a bunch of different sounding bands would get, you know, thrown together because there wasn't really like a, a cohesive like these are the pop punk bands and these are the you know what I mean? Like it was just sort of like we're we're all. It's like, hey, you're a weirdo. I'm a weirdo. Let's play a show together. <laughs> we're we're all, we're all going to get weird together because we're all in this together. Yeah, right. Well, it's you, like you're in a you're in a ska band. I'm in a metal band. Let's play a show. <laughs> well, uh, you know that time period, and and you guys, and and I don't mean this uh, as a knock in any way. It just seems like I remember the late '90s. It was like you guys just came out of nowhere. It was just like whoa. And I mean, you were just your sound just you were one of those bands and i'm not going to put this tag on you it's not fair but the your sound uh, transformed in, into what became known as the emo sound uh and tons of bands uh you know you were an influence to and it's just it was just like your name just kept popping up kept popping up and uh this particular record something to write home about uh the, the song we're going to talk about uh, today is holiday and um take us back to to that time period when you when you were writing for this record this was your was your second record the first one came out in 97 uh and and this record came out uh, uh a day before my birthday uh in 1999 and uh mm. take us back to uh to to when, when you were writing the, writing the song for the record well okay so when we were writing we were going through this process of uh trying to sign to a new record label we had wanted to try and sign to a major label. And so we were in this kind of like holding pattern where we weren't touring. We were just writing and waiting and letting like uh, lawyers and managers argue about things and ultimately not really making any progress. And so finally we were just like, look, we have this record written. We want to put it out. And that's when Vagrant was like, well, we'll just, we'll just do it. And we're like, okay. And so we went out to California and we were in the then very unhip Silver Lake neighborhood <laughs> and at Chick Korea, the, the jazz pianist mm-hmm. studio. And yeah, we, we went and stayed at our friend. Uh, do you know Kevin Kusatsu from back in the day? Sounds really familiar. 
he he was a he was a, of the same era. He was a, a touring guy back in the day. But okay. it doesn't matter. We stayed at, we stayed at his house, and uh, he apparently had not told his roommates that we were going to be staying there. That's always and fun. So, <laughs> all of a sudden, there were because there were six of us too. It was just like because we first, we brought our our friend Alex to kind of like he was our sound guy for live shows, and we were just like. I don't know what we're getting into. Why don't you come with us? And at least, you know, what we're supposed to sound like. And, uh, you know, we, we crashed on the floor at his house for geez, like six weeks, five weeks, something like that. And drove, he was in, in, uh, what part of town was he in? I don't even remember saying like Santa Monica, I think. And then we would drive to Silver Lake and spend all day in the studio. So that was kind of which, which for our listeners isn't close in an LA. Traffic. No, no. <laughs> that takes luckily forever. we luckily we weren't going in till like noon, you know. But that's still like so it wasn't like rush hour, you know, when you're working from noon to ten o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. But it still would could get bad. Well, you touched on something interesting. You know, you had mentioned, you know, we were we were looking to sign to a major. You know, you had put out one record. Were you getting any, well, two-part question. Were you getting any bites from majors? And the 90s were a weird time, as you know, man, the, the cries of sellout and, and everything else. So what was your reasoning for want, wanting to go to a major at that point? Uh, well, I mean, we, we always kind of considered ourselves a, a pop band first and kind of a punk band second and again like we didn't really feel part of like we didn't feel like scene ethics you know what i mean like if like yeah. i i live and die by fagazi but it's still kind of like well that's great for them you know like in, <laughs> i can totally which, relate to that and you know I, I you know i we all have to come to terms with what the level of comfort we are in treating this like a business and for some people that means putting everything out yourself and for some people like us it meant like well we're gonna stay completely ethical and true to ourselves but we want to reach as many people as possible and it seemed like at the time the the only way to really do that uh was a major label although that's also around the same time that epitaph blew up so it was kind of like well okay maybe that's which is why I think we were comfortable taking a risk on Vagrant because it was sort of like, well, I mean, Epitaph, the offspring had like a <laughs> like a huge trick, you know, like, and so yeah, there was there was interest, but it was not, it wasn't good interest. It was everyone thought of us as a baby band, uh, and they thought we were super green when we had been touring for we'd been a band for th- four years and been touring for two, and we're really hardworking and had a proven track record of like people were coming to our shows, people were buying our first album. So we didn't feel like we were getting like the respect that, uh, you know, if if we're going to sign a contract like that, that's like a potentially seven album contract. You you don't want to like just take whatever they give you. You want to make sure that you're going to get something good, you know? Sure. And and I think it was kind of cool what you just said too, because certainly, um, you know, it's, it's a little rough around the edges in terms of, of, of a, I don't, I hate to call it a punk sound, but you know, but you guys were a pop band. The melodies are pop. It's derived from that. And you kind of saw where, where you wanted to go with this. And, uh, you know, that was somewhat of a, again, a bold move. I never paid attention to it. I, I was the the same position as you. I just wanted to sell as many records and and well, reach as many people as we could. And ultimately, it yeah. was all about the live show, and I'm sure for you guys too. We just wanted to, oh, play, totally. to play to play to more people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, we would always kind of refer to ourselves as an indie rock band. That was sort of like what we listened to for the most part. But it was like we we liked melody, you know what I mean? And we weren't we weren't super angry, <laughs> so we didn't have a whole lot of like. <laughs> Like screamy shit. Oh wait, can I swear on this? Is you that can okay? swear all you can swear all you want. Yeah, yeah. The more uh, you do, the less I yeah. do. <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. Like, I did a, a podcast the other day, and I was talking to. Uh, it was a, a kind of a co-interview with my friend Chris from Mineral, who we toured with a, a couple times. But it was just kind of like we couldn't sound more different than that band. But we're both called second wave emo or, or, uh-huh. or whatever but it's just like it's it's very different and like i think that is like we we felt like 
the of our contemporaries, it's like Jimmy Eat World and the Promise Ring were the ones that we were just like, oh yeah, this makes sense to me. Like these are, I mean, the Promise Ring are just basically hooks. Like oh, it's sure. just kind of like. It's like even if it's just he's saying like one line over and over again in the song, it's still like a great hook, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's well, I mean, in, in journalists, they had to uh, they had to put tags on things. I mean, we got lumped in with the ska bands and we were. Yeah, always, it's, we a, were, it's a marketing term, you know? Sure, sure. Well, I distinctly remember uh, this record coming out and it just had you guys just had such a great buzz, but it's. Uh, it's testament to the songs because I I almost think uh, and I actually went back and watched your uh, 2009 uh, anniversary show that you played mm. uh, back home. Uh, you, you played the record and it was just incredible. at Liberty Hall. At, at Liberty Hall, and it just seems like the legacy of the band is is so much bigger than what it even was then. Uh that's an interesting thing to think about. I at least the, at least the legacy of this record. Yeah, I mean, conceptually, I think I, I agree with you, but it's hard for me to admit that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just, <laughs> just, well, actually, yeah. what we were doing was really important and still is important to this day. It's like I can't. Well, you you can't say that, but I can, and it really was. It really was. And uh, this track we're going to talk about, "Holiday," was was the, the was the lead off song. And going back, do you remember if this was uh, was it? specifically written for the record or was this was this a hold off from the first album uh did you write the song on the road where, where were you at when you uh, wrote 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 it uh i think we were just at our disgusting practice space in downtown kansas city that's now like a really high-end loft we would just get together and you know and practice and write the only stuff that was like carryover from previous things there's a song called red letter day and a song called i'm a loner dotty a rebel that were both on Different versions of them were on previous releases, but everything else was, uh, you know, fresh uh, that we wrote kind of in that that same time period. And I don't I don't really remember writing Holiday specifically. I mean, I I remember writing like the lyrics and stuff, but I don't really remember if it was like an aha moment other than doing the pick slide at the front of it. Oh, you, you, you're talking about, I wanted to talk about the pick slide. That's the first thing I was going to talk about. That's amazing. Well, <laughs> it's so it's, there's, there's, there's two things to it. One is that when you put, when you put a pick slide like that at the beginning of a song to introduce a song, it's like, well, this has to be the first song on the record. <laughs> Cause like, that doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense anywhere else, you know, like, but then, so our friend Eddie, who, uh, who has been our guitar tech, he, he, the first time he met, so he worked for that band Spoon, and Rob, our bass player, used to play in Spoon. Wow! And when he first met Eddie, Eddie goes, "You're in the." He was kind of drunk. He's like, "You're in the Get Up Kids," and Rob goes, "Yeah." And he goes, "One pick slide to rule them all." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was gonna say this is the perfect track to open a record. It opens with a pick slide, and you, you said it for me, Matt. Um, this, the the song opens with it's with this- so it's so gratuitous. It's such a like heavy metal <laughs> move, you know, like. Yeah, that's what I loved. And that's, it's funny. I, uh, you know, hadn't listened to the track in a while and I, in, in, in past couple of days, I've been really, you know, getting in, getting back into it and listening to it and critiquing it. And, uh, that was one of the first things I noticed. I'm like, I don't remember that pick slide back in the day, but son of a bitch. That's awesome. Um, it's like, it's like eight, it's like eight pick slides. Yeah. Like all, like, it's like, it's like, that was, cause that was in the kind of like Foo Fighters color in the shape era. And it was like, oh, well, it means we got to have like, we got to like quadruple each guitar track with different amps and like you know what i mean like it's just like we got to build this like really fat sound which you don't need to do you can do that with one guitar track but (laughs) the things we don't the things we didn't know then right but so it's just like all right uh pick slide take seven okay here we go (laughs) and (laughs) well after the pick slide happens it comes in for two measures with just this really uh, really catchy uh, octave guitar part, uh, and then we we get into the first verse that I'd, I'd like to talk about. Um, okay, the the song itself is is uh, three minutes and, and thirty seconds, and it's interesting. You know, three minutes and thirty seconds isn't that uh, long of a song. It's typically a, what, what you'd hear on the radio three three and a half minutes. But this song feels a lot faster than that. I was surprised. It felt like it's two and a half minute song. It goes by really quick, and I think that's testament to. Uh, to great songwriting and it just it just it goes by quickly because all the parts are great um the the first uh verse is what became of everyone i used to know where did our respectable convictions go your words don't match the story that your actions show what do i know 
So set that up for us. Um, there's a, a couple of different things thematically on the on the record as a whole that are just kind of like me, kind of like having opinions about stuff, but then sort of going like it's sort of like a snapshot to just the things I was thinking about at the time. Like if when we when you brought this up and said you want to do this song or action and action, I was just like, well, action and action is really hard to explain because it's kind of <clears throat> meandering. Like it doesn't really have a point. It's just things that were in my head. But this one is like, so I had a friend that I was in a band with when I was in high school and he, he just, he moved to Chicago and we fell out of touch. And then whenever I would see him again, like it's this hard thing. And I, I'm sure that, you know, all of our bands have had this where like other people in other bands kind of treat you like you're just not very cool. You know, like you're just sort of like. Uh, like you get kind of like indie rock snobbery kind of stuff from people. And Matt, Matt, I play in a ska band. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I was trying to dance around that. <laughs> you want to talk about getting picked on? To... We're the last no, one to get, yeah, picked, I... get, picked, get picked for the kickball team and everything, you know? No, I, I, well, see, I, I'm glad you said it. I wasn't going to come out and say, well, I'm in an emo band, so we're both pussies. But, um, the, it was just kind of this, like, uh, like what happened to you, man? You know? And then it was like, but maybe it's me, <laughs> you know, like maybe I'm the one who's, who's changed. And I, I'm coming at this from a, uh, like a, a, a weird perspective. And then, then, you know, the, the chorus is just sort of like, it's, it's about basically the end of a friendship or a perceived end of a friendship. And like, kind of like, maybe I'll see you when you come home for Christmas or, or whatever, you know? And, uh, well, yeah, so, we're we're we're, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna get there in a second. So just 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 the first verse here. So yeah, now I can see kind of what you're saying. It's like you know what became of everyone I used to know. Where did our respectable convictions go? Your, your words don't match the story that your actions show. So it sounds like there's a little bit of disconnect with 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 your friends at this point. Yeah, I don't know that I would I would still continue to ever write the words. Where did your respectable convictions go? That sounds very like. I mean, I was twenty. 2021 when i wrote that it uh-huh. sounds very it's very judgy you know like it's very <laughs> like 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 it's basically me calling somebody a sellout kind of and it and i don't even know what i meant by that necessarily it just kind of kind of worked there and it it, it it kind of expressed the tone if if not being completely accurate of how i was feeling you know what's so funny what you, you just reminded me of something i had someone on the other day that, that was very embarrassed about lyrics to this particular song that they wrote back when they were 20 and you know i've felt that way over the years and then i'll get on stage or i'll have that fan come up after the show and say that lyric and you know in holiday where did our respectable convictions go that yeah I got, right look i got the tattoo on my left bicep you know and it's it's those moments that make you realize that yeah, I was 21, 22, but look who it's look how it's still touching people, you know. Well, that- yeah, and like I I definitely have that, you know, when someone uh, and you know, and our 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 albums were for that, we were teenagers and like people get their the lyrics of the songs tattooed on their chests or whatever and it's like, <laughs> okay, well, but it's kind of I always tell people whenever like uh non-musicians ask like what's it like playing like the same songs every night? Do you ever get sick of it? And I go, well, I get sick of rehearsing them, but like once you're on stage and everyone's singing along and you can see how happy you're making them, then I don't even think about it. You know, like it's just sort of other than if my voice hurts and then I'm just like, like you said, you said holiday goes by so fast. And for me, it absolutely does not. Cause I have to like scream like the whole time. Yeah, there is a and lot so, of words. There's a lot of singing in this. That there's is there's a true. lot of words, and it's at the top of my range. So it's just like da 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 da, and like, but then everybody's working pretty hard. The bass line's really fast. There's that big drum fill on the bridge that every time we do it, I look at Ryan and wait for him to fuck it up because <laughs> I'm just like, it's a hard fill. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, going into the pre-chorus, so let, let's let's break this down a little bit. Uh, I'm sure you can't okay. help. I'm sure you can't help but remembering. Uh, thought that you'd be one not to forget. Remembering is not helping you yet. Yeah, I mean, again, just sound kind of pissed off that my friend was kind of had left and was kind of like 
this like in my you know interpretation like kind of dissing me well now what what, do you remember what that was about uh like in in the respect of were they dissing you because you had kind of become something and become become known where you're from was it a gel was it from a standpoint of jealousy i don't know i mean it's it's possible we were already starting to to be to do fairly well at that point so Mm -hmm. i mean that that could be part of it i i personally never really understood that but like um so i i don't know i guess it i mean for all intents and purposes i just felt slighted and i don't know that i was even thinking about what their perspective actually was i was just sort of like kind of telling them to fuck off really <laughs> yeah well and and i've i've felt that over the years and i can only i guess understand it from you know i've met whatever you want to call them, rock stars over the years when I was younger and I'd meet them and, and I would say things that was just starstruck. They'd be standing there like, I don't know, at a grocery store or something. I'd be like, what are you doing here? And they're like, uh, getting some mac and cheese. What are you doing here? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> cause we tend to put people that we admire on a pedestal. Um, and they, they think that you've changed, but in reality, you're just the same dude. You just, you're just known a little bit more. I think because sometimes, of what you do. I think it, yeah. I mean, for me, I think that's certainly the case. I don't, I, I definitely, I think I have seen some people that were just like, you, you know, you get to a certain level of success and you're like, man, you really are concerned about this thing. That's really, I just, I have this, this thing, this kind of, th- this sort of like mantra that like, if we're going to go on tour and, and do this weird job, we really need to like, A, celebrate that we get to go to all these places and actually go see them and not just stay backstage the whole time, but then B to just celebrate the absurdity of what it is that we're doing. (laughs) And so that's a great, that's a great point. But it's like, you, you want to take it seriously enough that you're still, you know, playing well and performing and giving people a good night out. But then at the same time, it's just like, this is just a party, dude. Like, this is not like, and yeah, you have bad nights when you can't, the monitors are shit or whatever, but it's just like, for the most part, just get through it and, and, and be, be a ham and, and have fun and, and, and all that. And so I get, I have real low tolerance for people, especially musicians who get like shitty to people. Mm-hmm. Like and I, I see it primarily when like, it's like at a festival or something like that. And you know, or the way they treat like house crew people and, and stuff like that, oh, yeah. or pe- the way, the way some people treat their own road crew. And I'm just like, you can't do this without these people. So, you know, I don't know, buy him, buy him dinner. You know, (laughs) you got to remember where you came from and you have to, yeah, I, I, I've always prided, uh, less than Jake on that. We've always tried to be really cool to anybody backstage people, our bus driver, whoever's because you're all out on the road together. You're all out there living it. You're away from home. You're missing holidays. No pun intended. You're missing, uh, uh, birthdays, weddings, uh, funerals and everything else, you know? So I totally get that. Um, I want to get into the chorus. I, I love this chorus for, for a couple of reasons. Um, I feel like you're getting two choruses in one and it, the back half of it, I wouldn't consider a post chorus. It's just the back half of the chorus, but it's, 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 it's so neat because I would never think of melding uh, a whole chorus as, as having like what I w- I'm going to refer to as, as the heavy rock part for the first half. And then it goes into this slower kind of arpeggiated guitar part for the second half. The lyric is uh, "Say good night," uh, and you are pretty up there uh, vocal range wise here. <laughs> this is pretty. Yeah, tell me, tell pretty, me about it. Pretty up there. Uh, "Say good night," mean goodbye. No, you think my life would stop when you're away? Maybe I can see you on holiday. Um, on the word "away," there that when the vocal melody changes and it goes to that C sharp minor chord, I love that. I just it's like a, a goosebump moment. Uh, and then we get into the back half uh, where that arpeggiated slower gu- uh, guitar part comes in and, and the lyric is worlds away. 
I've never forgotten all our yesterdays. I'm lucky if we're speaking on the holidays. Now, I know that uh, uh, Chad Blinman uh, and Alex Brawl mm-hmm. uh, produced this record. Uh, did they, where, where did they come in? And I want to kind of bring them in right now because this is a very strange chorus to me. Was, was there ever talk of like, we can't have the second half of the chorus be slow like this. Cause it's just not typical. How did, how did that come about? And did they have any say in that? I don't remember. It's very different really being, being an issue. I see what you mean. I, I, uh, I mean, we, we always kind of in the, in a kind of like Pixies slash Nirvana, like tried to experiment with like the quiet, loud, quiet, loud kind of dynamics. And that was a big part of like, <clears throat> the scene that we came up in with like bands like boys life and, and, you know, even Jimmy Eat world and their earlier stuff. And, but if anything, uh, you're going to start the chorus off with the first part, have it slow and get, yeah, get, I'm not get, sure. I'm not sure why we d- decided to do that. I mean, it's we have really a lot different. of weird, It's really, we different. have a lot of weird songs. If you go back and like, listen to like our first record, there's like two minute long instrumentals before it even gets to the f- first words in the song. And just like, or, or like all this like strange stuff. So it doesn't, like I don't, I think this is maybe where we first started to kind of experiment with like standard pop song structure. But then I, I don't think it even registered to us that that was a, a weird thing at the time to like. But I see what you're saying though is that you're coming in hot and then bringing it down. Yeah, as you, opposed to you, the you other tip, way around. You typically don't do that for a chorus, and that's why I had asked about the producers. Do you do you remember how involved they were with with song structures or, or suggesting, hey, maybe we should not, dub, double this chorus or, or or double this part or, or or take this part away? Not 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 really. I mean, they were they were more and they were more more on the engineering side than than the uh-huh. the producer. Uh, side we 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 really kind of the song structure and all that stuff was was kind of all us and just trying to like you know try different things and and um, I mean I think that we've tried to varying degrees of success to like try not to repeat ourselves too often and I, we wanted something right home about to sound different than four minute mile did you know because we yeah. weren't happy with how four minute mile turned out and so and we wanted big guitars and stuff but like yeah, it's interesting. I don't think we even. I think it, there's other songs that have that same sort of like dynamics, uh, but probably not as striking as that. That is, it, it is interesting. I remember reading an interview with uh, Metallica or seeing an interview with them where they were talking about that song, "Unforgiven." Right. And yeah. How it's, how it's loud in the verse and quiet in the chorus, and they just thought they had fucking invented fire. You know, like they just were like. <laughs> I do remember hearing that song though, Matt, uh, when it came out and I remember thinking this is, this is different. I don't, I'm not going to say they invented that by any means, but, uh, it was a little different, but their whole chorus was slow. This is, this yeah. is a, a double chorus here. The back half of the chorus, it, it, it almost just sounds like a, a completely different part, but it's still the chorus and it's just, it's cool. It's cool songwriting. I don't, I don't think that if I sat down and tried to do that, that, that I could get it to work. Um, it's, 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 it's really cool. I think it's also kind of interesting because like, yeah, it's only, only really kind of comes down in that part of the chorus. Well, it's it, like, yeah, it, it comes down. And so is the, the first part is still heavy to maybe I can see you on and then boom, right. When you say holidays, that's when it changes right there. Yeah. That's a fun, that's a fun one to do live. Cause everybody screams that. And so I don't even sing it anymore. <laughs> I just let the crowd take it. Well, if you keep going, I might, might, might get to it. Cause this song's so high. You might have to have the whole crowd sing the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've had I've had nights like that, man. So have I. Um, and but it's yeah, just I, like it's like, can we play Holiday Night? I'm like, no. I'm like, why not? Because I can't. I can't. If I sing it, it'll be bad. You know, yeah. like I can't hit. I I want to. I want to do that for you, but. Yeah. I got Denver and Salt Lake and, you know, San Francisco coming up. I'm, I'll never make those shows if I do it tonight. Yeah. Um, if, it, if it was Rody, if it was Rody Friday, then sure. You know, and I can have a day off tomorrow, then. <laughs> Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. We'll play. We can play. We can play for four hours if you want. I don't care. <laughs>
So after the first chorus, we come back into a reintro, which is uh, two measures. It's the same as the top of the song, although there's no pick slide here. Sorry to disappoint everybody. Um, no, no. Pick well, sl- I mean that would that would just that would just be gauche to go back and do a pick <laughs> slide again. <laughs> yeah, you can't have the pick slide there. I'm just teasing. Um, kind of, you kind of, you kind of shoot your. No, I'm not going to say that. You yeah. kind of like you know fire that gun in the beginning, and you can't really reload it. Yeah, uh, point point taken. Um, the second verse comes in after after the reintro and. Uh, the lyric is the evidence presents itself accusingly your absence speaking everything you think of me now that i am faced with opportunity you're not remembering it's heavy heavy on the scrabble words you know like it's very like very thesaurusy is accusingly me. a word <laughs> i think accusingly can can be, i mean i'm I, I said it so yeah you sang it All with conviction you sang it with you convic- you, with conviction and i believed it so uh, we, <laughs> I've made up words before, uh, to put it into songs. So that's not that weird, but yeah, I mean, it's, it does. I think maybe that's one of the things about this song that like, it makes me cringe a little bit because it does kind of sound like I read books, you know, <laughs> like I know big words. Yeah. But it's not like Greg Graffin or something, you know, I mean, you get, well, it. right. right. <laughs> no, I'm also not a, pro- not a professor. So... <laughs> But, um, so, so this, is this just a, the second verse, is this a, uh, building on what was going on in the first verse or? Yeah. Okay. It's all, yeah, it's all, it's all part of the same, same plot. And in your, in your mind, you're still kind of feeling these things with the friends and it's still kind of like, you know, it says you're the last line in the, in, the, in this verse is you're not remembering. So you remember what, what that was actually about saying you're not, re- you're not remembering like who I was or who we were or the times we had. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, because this was this was someone that I, you know, had had played music with and, and had, you know, teenage experiences with. That sounded sexual. That's not what I meant. But like, uh, you know, and it just kind of felt blown off, and which I think is something that's common at that age. Like I often refer to that, like I didn't go to college, but my touring years in my 20s were like my college years. And so I think that's a pretty common experience when someone that you're tight with in high school moves away and you know, the relationship kind of falls off and that's not necessarily bad, but you know, it can, you can feel hurt by it. Does the person that the song was written about, do they know that it's about them? I don't think so. No, okay. I've only had that happen twice. Yeah. That, that, that can either be a really great thing or a complete bummer. <laughs> well, it either means that I'm really clever or I'm really obtuse. You know, like it just—it's—it's it's probably the latter. But uh, that's also part of it too. Is it like so? There, one of the times that someone figured out the song was about them, I felt horrible because I felt like. And there's a song on something at home about called "My Apology." Mm-hmm. That's kind of about that. That's just sort of like, look, I just I just sing about what I'm thinking about, and I was pissed at you at the time, but I also have to remember that like uh, other people are going to hear this and it's going to live for you know, all of eternity or, or whatever. So I, I think I was, I was sort of like, that's where it gets into that kind of questioning myself in holiday of just kind of like, well, what do I know? Maybe I'm just, you know, taking this too seriously. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and well, that's what I wanted to ask too. You, you reminded me. So that, that lyric in the chorus, uh, I'm lucky if we're speaking on the holidays because holiday time to me, even to this day, you know, it, it always kind of meant going home, uh, back where you're from to your parents, uh, uh, hometown and you would run into people during the holidays. And that, that's kind of what mm-hmm. I took, I took from this. That's what I, that's what I was implying. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that we ever really, like, it was just kind of a, a, a meaningful metaphor in that, in that sense of just like, I don't think we ever really hung out on the holidays ever. If he even came home for the holidays or yeah. <laughs> if I was ever home for the holidays, you know, like, but it, it, yeah, it's that kind of like, Oh, guess I'll see you when you, you go visit your parents back in, you know, yeah, for Thanksgiving Philly or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So the the second pre-chorus, the the lyrics change here. They're not the same. Um the second pre-chorus is I'm not asking you anyway, and even if you ever could cave in, I would know where to begin. So yeah, that's that's me kind of like second guessing myself of just like even it, part of me was like even if you did call me, I'm not sure that I would know what to talk to you about. You know what I mean? Like Right. So this is a, this is at least partially on me too. And I'm, I'm kind of a, a, trying to be, I'm at least trying to be cognizant of that, even though I don't necessarily, uh, 
un- maybe understand it. Again, you got I was so young. <laughs> you know, like, no, just- I know. Yeah, and 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 I I can totally respect that from being a younger songwriter. At some point, I get it. I, I used the example the other day of. Uh, you know, it's the the picture you drew when you were a kid that your mom still has hung up on the wall, you know, and she shows people, hey, look what look what Matt drew when he was five. And you're like, uh, you know, so I, from that, from that, uh, from that. Can I, can I extrapolate on that? I, Absolutely. I tell people, I tell people, you remember the poetry you wrote when you were 17? Imagine, you know, and how bad that was and how, <laughs> you know, emo that was. Imagine if, imagine if that was your first album and everybody everybody loved it and you just felt like oh yeah yeah well it it, it, it's it's funny because and i always talk about it on the show about how memories are attached to songs you know uh i i can i know you've gotten better i think i've gotten better as a songwriter you just you learn more you 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 grow as you get older but uh the, the newer songs i write i want everyone to love them and and i want as much as they do the old stuff but they don't have the the 20 or 25 years of memories attached to them yeah you can never you know, I was thinking actually was thinking about this the other day because I'm trying to think, are there any other art forms, although maybe food, of like it causes sense memory like that? You know, like if you see a painting, you don't remember, oh, we used to smoke weed in the back of the pickup truck and look at the moon. <laughs> but if you hear you know, if you hear a song that you were listening to at that time, it automatically takes you you back there. And I think it's a really yeah, if, if there's kind a certain if there's a certain certain smell, you're like, that smells like my grandma's basement or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's I don't I don't think I get I don't get that from uh other art forms. That's not to say that like they're they're bad necessarily. Maybe some TV shows that you watched when you were a kid could mm-hmm. be like that. Like the way people talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Just kind of go like, all right, if it's really that important to you. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, uh, I, 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 I get that. I sometimes it's weird. And, it, and this, sh- this podcast is weird in a sense, because you're talking about songs and in, in a lot of instances, there, there's stuff that people wrote so long ago. And mm-hmm. just the fact that you even remember half the stuff you're telling me about it, it was so long ago. It's like, you know, but, uh, it just, it, it takes you back. The, the second chorus here is the same as the first chorus, except at the very end, uh, you repeat holiday, uh, holidays twice. And then it goes into this bridge that kind of comes out of nowhere, which is kind of the heaviest part of the song. The drums kind of go double time. Mm-hmm. The guitars just get big there. And uh, the, the synthy keyboard uh, is really uh, prominent in this part. And there's a, uh, this drum snare kind of build up. There's no lyrics here at all. Um, do you remember that part in the sense of, of you know, was there ever a discussion of having lyrics or we need lyrics here? Or was just, it was just, just going to be a musical buildup? Uh, I don't remember ever discussing it, but I think we all felt that it didn't need it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it, it kind of feels like the drums particularly in that part are so interesting because it's just this like tightrope. They really are. Just like, how is he going to do that? We've, we've since taken that and done it with, with other songs. Like, it was a song on our last record that I had written lyrics to a to a bridge, and they were just like, let's not. Like, let's – not that the lyrics are bad, but, like, let's let it breathe, you know, and, like, have – because that's the thing about Holiday is it's just, like, vocally, it's like – it's like like stab – the stabbing scene in Psycho. It's just like, <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Well, and I so was, that's and the I, only time. Yeah, I was just going to say, if, if anything – this is a mu- and I'm I'm sure when it gets to this part you're like thank God I get a break for like you know oh eight. yeah and then I feel bad for Ryan because that's like the hardest part of the song for him on the drums so. yeah yeah no it's a it is a much needed break and I I think it's great that there's no lyrics here because it, it the song I I feel uh, needed needed to breathe um, the last chorus there is a part there's a part to that bridge though if I can just like a, a kind oh, sure. of a, a, a composing note that I thought of so you know it it goes into that. It's got like a hiccup when it goes into the to the chorus after it comes out of that big drum fill. Yeah. Which like say good night like that. And I really wanted it to be more of a pronounced like pause, kind of like in a 
I think of it as like screeching weasel kind of. It's just like back a back a back a back boom. Like it's like a pause going into the thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody was like, "No, that's that's a dumb idea." <laughs> and I was just like, "Aw." <laughs> and then now I'm so glad it doesn't have it. Like I'm just kind of like I would I would feel so I don't know. It just that's kind a, of an interesting. That's thing. A, no, it is. It's a, that's a really interesting and it's a great point because I've thought about that more times. It's what you just laid out to where I think back and go. Oh yeah, I really wanted to change that lyric to this. I'm so glad I didn't. Very few times is it we should have doubled that chorus at the end. We were idiots. You know, it's usually the the, the first thing you said. Uh, you know, hindsight's 2020, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um this last uh last chorus is interesting because it comes out of this bridge and you know the chorus is coming and boom. Your 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 the vocal goes straight through the roof again. It's up there in your register. You're screaming it. It's heartfelt. Say goodnight, mean goodbye. No, you think my life would stop when you're away. I'm lucky if we're speaking on holidays, holidays, you say it twice, but there's no slow second half to this chorus. It just ends with, with the heavy part. Do you remember ever, ever having discussion of, well, wait a second, we're not completing the chorus here. Huh? No, not really. (laughs) I mean, it kind of just, it kind of felt like, you know, it would be, it would even weirder than having a quiet back half of the course the first two times. It, it felt like it would just be, it would completely neuter the song to like end it down. You know what I mean? Like, what about doubling the song with the chorus heavy twice? Was there ever that discussion or was it always just once? I think we, we probably tried it twice because I think that is part of our, our collective songwriting instinct is to have double you know it's verse chorus verse chorus bridge double chorus out and because that would make more sense than going back to the slow part for sure like you said in neutering the yeah whole thing. but it just i think it i think it just felt redundant and it was just sort of like let's just go we've already did, i mean it's our third chorus you know what i mean like so we've we've made the point you know what i mean like it's just sort of yeah and so i think it was just like it felt like it was more impactful just to go out like short and sweet you know Plus, we're just all exhausted by that point. It's a hard song to play. Right. Well, and of course, now we, we, we know why the track was picked first. You had to, you, there was nowhere else to put the pick slide on the record. So it had to be the mm-hmm. leadoff track, which it works beautifully in the leadoff position. It definitely make, it makes a, it makes a statement for sure. Like, yeah. you know, like, and that was the other thing I liked about it too. Is like, you know what kind of a record you're getting into mm-hmm. based on the, the opening chord and pick slide of the song now this is of course before the the days of youtube and everything was instantaneously uh uh, on the internet do you remember playing holiday before you recorded it do you remember playing it to a live audience i don't it's possible but i don't remember that i don't remember if we did or not and i know there's a couple of shows that we played in california after we made the record where we may have played it but we tend to like not do that very often where like if we've written a new song, you know, we'll, we'll kind of like wait till people have a chance to hear it before we spring it on them. That's not always the case. But well, that's sometimes. the second thing I want to discuss. So do you remember when when it was finally recorded, the records out? Do you remember the, the at least maybe the first couple shows or the first show that you, you played Holiday and what that audience uh, reaction was like? No, I bet we weren't even opening with it. Would be my guess because we used to open with the first song on our first record usually, and that was one that people knew. We talked about getting together for this. Uh, it was either this song or Action and Action, and I was because uh, I always thought Action and Action was was your biggest track, but um, you know this one has the most you know Spotify most most YouTube plays Holiday. And what is your you know if you can reflect back on a song that you wrote twenty two years ago. What is the reasoning for that, that, that it's resonated with your fans like this so much, this particular track? Mm, well, the the cynical answer to that is was something that someone from a record label told me that is like your first track from your album always gets the most plays because of the way Spotify works. Okay. Well, that's, and, that's, that's, a, you know, that's, a, that's a point taken. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I guess I think also, and I didn't mention that uh, Chris, my producer, he, he went ahead and, and uh, did a little something. We've never done this before on the show. He sent uh, uh, like 10 or 12 texts out to people. So which, which song action actually Hol- and holiday was unanimous. So I, you know, I would dare to say this is probably one of, one of your, you know, m- most fan favorite tracks. I, I would agree with that, which, and I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a breakup song, but it's not like, 
obvious. It's not like a sad. It's not like a sad song. It's more. It's a bit. I think it's kind of angry, honestly, about it. And I think that that's a, a universal kind of feeling that like everybody can relate to it at some point in their life. And then if you're going to compare it to action and action, the lyrics in action are really obtuse and weird and and just kind of random, um, except in the chorus. And so. I think this holiday probably is more easily digestible in that in little, that sense. A little more uh, lyrically you can hold on to with it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, there's another another song we have on the record called Red Letter Day that is the one that I think people uh, get tattoos of the most that is kind of a similar tone of just being being angry. Like it's it's, you know, usually like the joke is for you're in an emo band, quote unquote, you're just writing these like, sad love songs about a a girl that you know you you liked who didn't like you back and i was really writing about like ending the ending of friendships more than with with other you know people that i grew up with or not ending them but you know them Mm -hmm. changing i guess and being frustrated about that yeah but everyone takes something a little bit different from from lyrics so they can think that this is about a girl or about them or about whatever life situation they're going through which is which is why I love talking about songwriting, um, Matt. We're gonna we're gonna wrap up here in a second. I, I want to uh, a couple okay. things. I want I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to to, to be on the yeah, podcast, man. and uh, just want to congratulate yeah, you and the guys on on all your success and continued success. And and uh, like I was saying at the top of the show, you guys uh, definitely uh, have influenced a, a, a ton of bands, and and that's something to really be proud of. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. This was fun. No problem. And uh, is there anything you'd like to to leave uh, the listeners with? You'd like to plug anything, uh, Matt Pryor solo or, or the Get Up uh, Kids? Now, now would be the time. Uh, well, we're hopefully uh, announcing soon. It's our twenty fifth birthday next month. This month now, I guess it's October, uh, and we're gonna try and do like a live stream uh, sort of celebration of that okay. later on this month. Uh, yeah. And you know, we're, we're, you know, just starting to write some more. So that's where we're at. Very cool. Well, uh, once again, thank you. Thank you so much and, uh, have a wonderful rest of your day. All right. You too, man. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold and I've got a podcast called drinks with Johnny. You're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured band is The Challenged, a pop punk band from New York City. You can find them online at thechallenged.com. And this was taken from their new record of the same name. Here's a snippet of their song, Wallfighter. The Rap with Chris and Chris. This was a personal, really awesome episode for me because a lot of times we talk about in the rap or you talk about in the episodes, how people have memories attached to certain songs or certain albums and something to write home about Get Up Kids album is one of those albums that just defines my early 20s and was just always playing whether it was in the car or at a party and all my friends loved it and I loved it. And I really wanted to hear you talk about the opening track of one of my all-time favorite albums. I think Holiday's an amazing song. And I love that you guys right off the bat started talking about what may be in my life, the most iconic pick slide ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he brought it up before I did, which I thought was funny because I was, I had that in the notes of like pick slide top of the song. That's how it starts, you know? Right. And it just goes, it just lends itself to being the first track on the record. Uh, you know, I think he, Matt got a little bit, uh, I don't want to say embarrassed, but you know, he's 
was showing some modesty when I was saying how influential this band is. I can't tell you how many bands uh, cite uh, Get Up Kids as an influence. And, and even if they didn't cite it or admit to it, I can, you can just hear it in their music. I just can't, it's countless bands, uh, bands that even, uh, went on to, to, to more commercial success than get up kids. You can hear that they, uh, they were a huge influence on, on them. Absolutely. Something to write home about for me, especially in our world of music is easily one of my favorite albums ever. And to hear Matt talk about just how you talk about your mom has that picture you drew when you were five and it's embarrassing. And to hear Matt talk about this being an early album for them. And he brought up, you know, the poetry you wrote when you were 17, that's cheesy. (laughs) And now instead picture that's an album and everybody loves it. Well, if that's the poetry that Matt Pryor is writing when he's 17 or 21 or 22 or whatever it is, it's pretty fucking good. (laughs) And I would not be one bit embarrassed by that. I think it's funny. He was talking about, and I know that I've been guilty of this. Maybe you've been guilty of it too. That sort of thesaurus type of lyrics where you're using words that aren't often used in songs. Hey, and by the way, Chris, real quick, accusingly is a word. I actually looked that up. (laughs) Uh, But I think that's awesome. You cited also bad religion are great for that. But I think that's really cool when you can make words that aren't normally in songs sing so fluently and naturally. I think that's awesome, man. So yeah, Matt's modest about it. But I believe this is a flawless album, both musically and lyrically. Yeah, you know, and I think when you you look, most uh, artists I've found uh, in the podcast and outside of the podcast that I've talked to over the years, they're never so much embarrassed about the song that they wrote when they when they speak of the the being embarrassed about their early songs. They're they're mostly speaking about the lyrical content and where they were at then. You know, they feel like. Well, I was just this naive kid and I didn't really know anything. And they were, or they were just stream of consciousness lyrics. They didn't really mean anything. And I would have done it different now. But I always try to stress to them that you can't ever go back and replace that primal instinct of being that young. And just the proofs in the pudding. Look at the, I told Matt, I went and looked at their uh, uh, anniversary show in t- uh, 2009. They played at Liberty Hall uh, in Lawrence for the Something to Write Home About record. And pff, the, everyone in that place screaming. The, the lyrics to Holiday. They're feeling every lyric that he wrote when he was 21 years old. Absolutely, man. And I have some very fond memories myself in the mid-2000s. Uh, actually, Alex Brawl, one of the producers of the album who you brought up in this episode, managed Punchline for a while. And Punchline was actually on what was, at the time, the farewell tour for the Get Up Kids. We were on like the California leg of that and some other shows. And it was like magical for me because they're one of my favorite bands and this was their final tour ever, which ended up not being, they ended up reuniting a few years later, but still it was amazing to be a part of that. And, uh, you know, another really funny thing that I wanted to bring up real quick is so holiday, I pushed for this. And like you said, in the episode, I texted my friends said, Hey, which song they all said holiday. Um, and, Maybe it's because it's that opening track that just gets you psyched up. And obviously the song that the Get Up Kids opened with for years. But years later, Punchline was asked to be part of a Get Up Kids tribute album. And so, of course, we snatched up Holiday. We're like, we want to do Holiday. But we didn't want to do it exactly how the Get Up Kids did it. So we did. <laughs> we uh, it's, a, it's an interesting choice, but we basically did like an island version of it for lack of a better way to put it it sounds very much like you what you would listen to at a beach where there's a tiki bar and, and you guys and are whatever. from you guys are from pittsburgh chris <laughs> i know i know <laughs> and looking back looking back it's a little bit ridiculous but I'm, I'm really happy with it but i know that you know maybe that year or the next year uh steve had talked to matt Pryor about it and was like yo did did you hear our version of holiday and that was like yeah, I heard it. <laughs> and then I think Steve pushed him a little further and he's like, so what'd you think? And he's like, uh, I thought, what the fuck is this? <laughs> which uh, something along those lines, which, you know, maybe some people will be get offended, but I think that's actually really funny. Look, look, uh, looking back on punchlines career, Chris, be honest, was that a hit or a miss? 
Oh, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I'm still. I stand by it, man. You gotta I, play. You gotta play a snippet of the track here in the rap for the fans. Come on. Ab- absolutely. We'll we'll let. Hey, I think that a lot of people that listen to this are like ska fans. I think they're gonna dig it. Uh, coming but, to, but, coming to Jimmy Buffett's uh, Beach Bar, a rum and bar grill near you. Punchline. Say good night. Mean goodbye. We've never been afraid to do that kind of stuff. And this all leads to one more thing that Matt said that I believe I know you, that the guy who dressed up in a million costumes <laughs> and and it was so funny and had so much fun with what you're doing. And I know Punchline does the same thing, but I love that Matt said that he likes to celebrate the absurdity of what we're doing. And it's true, man. We, we laugh about this all the time, whether it's before a show or in the van, or maybe, you know, maybe we had a few drinks or whatever. Laugh about the fact that for a career for like our entire lives, we pick up these wooden instruments and we get up on a stage and we sing and dance. (laughs) And that's just fucking ridiculous, but it is awesome. So you got to like realize that it, yeah, it's a party. And it's one of the greatest things about life to be able to do that. Oh yeah, I and the older that I get, I I I I feel that more than I've ever felt it. I, I'm more appreciative of it now than I ever have because uh, it is absurd. It's uh, you know you're 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 driving around in a tube with uh, you know uh, sometimes eight, nine, ten other guys with your crew members and uh, showing up to to a venue and, and and getting on a stage and there's people staring at you and and uh, here you are doing your thing. It's it's definitely not lost on me. It's easy. If you're on a tour and you're tired and you're three weeks into the tour to take it for granted for a minute that rooms full of people every night want to watch your band and sing along, it might be, it might be easy. I know you don't, I I don't, I, I don't really either, but I see how it could be easy to take it for granted. And, and, but dude, we are lucky to be able to do that and have people care. And that's why I loved when Matt said that celebrating the absurdity of what we're doing. That's my favorite moment of that episode. Well, Chris, there, there are a lot of absurd things that go around here on Krista makes a podcast, but one thing that isn't absurd is our monthly fundraiser. And this month uh, is hope for the day. It's a nonprofit movement whose mission is to empower the conversation on proactive suicide prevention and mental health education. Their focus is raising the visibility of resources, providing education and mobilizing people to take action. Uh, please, if you can go to KristaMakesADifference.com and, and donate whatever you, whatever you can spare a dollar to uh, it's going to a wonderful organization. Uh, This is our fundraiser for the month of November. Hope for the day. Yeah. And not only are you contributing to a great organization, but also the very nice people over at Hope for the Day will be giving away some hoodies and other merch items to some people at random who who donate. So uh, yeah, you have a chance to win some cool stuff too. So I would say you should absolutely go to Chris to makes a difference.com right now. I don't even care if you're driving, if you're driving, it doesn't matter. You, you can text it. No, don't do that. Don't do, don't do that. Well, pull, but, yeah, they, they can, they can pull over. Pull and over. Get, yeah. Pull over, pull over, pull, and give, pull over, pull and over. Give. God damn it. Pull over. <laughs> God damn it. And go to Chris to makes a difference.com and, and donate a, a buck or donate a hundred bucks, whatever you can give uh, to hope for the day. Cause it's a great, great cause. Yeah, and I want to thank all the listeners who have uh, given the, the past uh, c- a couple months. Thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, holidays are coming soon. If you're looking for stocking stuffers, I have a new book coming out December 8th. Uh, we're taking pre-orders now at KristaMakesABook.com. All kinds of cool stuff that comes with this. We got uh, a 7-inch with a couple songs, a poster, t-shirts, a calendar. And uh, Chris, you have some some stocking stuffers as well. Yeah, I literally have an Etsy shop full of stocking stuffers. Uh, if you go to iloveenamelpins.com, that takes you to my Etsy shop that has close to 80 different designs of enamel pins. I have everything from dogs and cats to celebrities. Like if you need a Jeff Goldblum pin, 
Come see, come see me. <laughs> if you need a Bjork pin, come see me. I'll, I'll hook you up. Uh, well, I'll hook you up if you pay for them. <laughs> but the good thing, speaking of hooking up, is uh, if you use the discount code Chris Demakes upon checkout at iloveenamelpins.com, you're going to get 30% off your order. That's right. I'm using Chris Demakes. Uh, name to get 30% off of my Etsy shop. And you don't even have a pin of me yet. I'm offended. Jeez, Chris. I know, man. I know. I'm slacking. (laughs) I'm I'm not as big as Bjork, I guess. That's just what what that tells me. You'll get there. (laughs) Yeah, someday. And, uh, oh, I almost forgot. New Less Than Jake record out. Another great stocking stuffer. uh, December 11th, 2020. It's called Silver Linings, so check that out. And if you haven't already, please join the Chris Makes a Podcast Facebook group. Lots of fun. Lots of great interaction in there with the fans. It's a blast. Until then, we'll see you next week. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast.